Wow, amen? So that song, some of you recognize, and uh, it actually was inspired by a phrasing that was heard in a church by one of the original artists. The gospel arrangement, the, the way the chord progression works, I just learned this from our band this morning, was actually the first time that they used a gospel arrangement with the music. They were inspired by it. A few years ago, Michael W. Smith covered it, and as we looked at it, we felt like this, this is the truth of the gospel, that you and I have a God who sent his son Jesus in the form, fully God, fully man, who laid down his life for us, that anything we face in this world, the sins that we have committed, the sins that are in our life today, and, and even the struggles we have ahead, he has paid the price and forgiven us. So we live in a fallen world full of trouble. No matter what we go through, he is there to be the bridge and to help us be overcomers. He actually says to have great cheer and joy in the face of those struggles. Joy has been coming up a lot the last couple of weeks because it matters to Jesus. And how we follow him through the troubled water matters to Jesus. So let's take a look at this and dive deeper into the text. In John 16, 1 through 4, it says this. He says, I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is offering service to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you, that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. If you're taking notes here, there's a warning. And what he's describing here is that falling away is actually worse than death. This is a reality we need to be reminded of, that the early church, and even many areas of the church globally today, face intense persecution. That, that often they, they are facing troubled water that, that isn't just somebody looking at them side-eyed or persecuting them because they called themselves a Christian. They are literally facing beatings and death and the removal of jobs and homes and families. And in the early church, they would face those things. It was actually the Apostle Paul in Philippians 1.21 that says, For me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Because death no longer is the final answer for the believer. We have life and life eternally. And so what Jesus is describing here is actually you may face some troubled water and some difficulty and some things that you don't want, that you don't necessarily uh, want to even embrace. It's going to be hard, but he's going to be with you and he makes a way. And in all of that, he's describing that falling away from Jesus is actually Worse than death itself. We need to be reminded of that truth. And, and here's the thing. Well, how do we not fall away? Well, uh, there's this reality that Jesus is going to lay out for us. As we read on, we're going to see that not only does he say we need to be careful not to fall away, but, but he's not a God who says, that's on you. He's the bridge. And with that bridge, he actually then, through Jesus, Death on the cross and resurrection, the opening, the parting of the curtain. If you remember when Jesus died on the cross, the curtain was tore open, symbolizing that now the presence of God, the Holy Spirit, would be given to us. And so part of how we don't fall away is we stay 
in Christ. And we let the Holy Spirit fill us and lead us. He's what helps us follow and not fall away. Can I get an amen, church? It is so quiet in here. Verse, there we go. Verse 5 through 15. Let's look at what this Holy Spirit does and some of what he lays out for us next. This is the work of the Holy Spirit, picking up in verse 5. He said, I did not say these things to you from the beginning because I was with you. But now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage, say advantage, advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. Concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. I still, verse 12, have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine, therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Second bit of our notes here is this promise. So we've had a warning, falling away is worse than, worse than death. Now we have a promise. This promise is actually that the Holy Spirit is your advantage and Jesus is enough. That is truth. That is truth. We need to soak in. We need to receive that actually the Holy Spirit, as we heard in the text, is to our advantage. That we have this X factor, if you will, this advantage that they did not have prior to Jesus' death and resurrection, the gifting of the Holy Spirit. They didn't have that dwelling inside of them. But when we receive Jesus as Lord and Savior, you remember as a little kid when, you know, maybe you were told if you grew up around the church, you, you received Jesus into your heart. What you were receiving was the Holy Spirit into your heart. And that Holy Spirit is the game changer, the advantage we have that is different, that keeps us on his path, but also sets us apart from the world. Let me hear you say advantage again. Advantage, advantage is something that, that we're always looking for in life, right? We were often many times looking, where do we get an edge? Where do we get ahead? Where do we get an advantage? And Jesus is saying, listen, my spirit inside of you is meant to be that. And it changes our life. And with that, it, he reminds us that he is enough. So let's, let's look at what one author said, Francis Schaeffer. He said, surely, as we look at the book of Acts, we find in the early church, not a group of strong men laboring together, but the work of the Holy Spirit, bringing to them the power of the crucified and glorified Christ. It must be so for us also. The advantage isn't your strengths, it isn't your talents, it isn't your gifts, it isn't your wherewithal. It's actually you and I banding together as believers in the power of the Holy Spirit and allowing the Spirit to move and work and do what it does. And there are some things that this text in particular said about the Holy Spirit 
So let's take a look at, you know, what does the Holy Spirit do according to John 16? This advantage, uh, if we look here, convicts the world in the area of sin that results from disbelief in Jesus. Now, you may have noticed our world is struggling with Jesus right now. There is a lot of animosity. There are pockets of our country where if you even use the word truth, people get triggered. Jesus said what? I'm the way, the truth, and the life. That spirit convicts even in the face of disbelief. Secondly, that spirit, the Holy Spirit, convicts the world in the area of righteousness in the light of life, the life with Jesus. So here's where it gets personal. Like you begin walking with Jesus and the spirit convicts you of things. Anybody have this experience? <laughs> and, and it's like, I, I laugh because like sometimes we forget that that's for our good. That, that actually when the spirit is convicting us of something, it's not to shame us, condemn us. It's actually to set us loose to find freedom. To find freedom from those things that, that may be holding us in bondage. Jesus brings this conviction through his spirit. Thirdly, he convicts the world in the area of judgment. Jesus has defeated the prince of the world. Satan knows he's defeated. He's just trying to go out with a bang, right? He's just trying to tell Jesus returns and shows up and finishes it, but he already knows he's defeated. So he, he is defeated, and we stand as those that can be set loose and free from that. Verse 13 the Holy Spirit, part of the advantage, he guides us into all truth. And, and today and yesterday, we're celebrating baptism with people that are declaring that they're following Jesus. And here's the exciting thing is when you do that, you have the Holy Spirit with you. And nobody is saying, okay, hey, this is your finish line. This is the starting line. When you're baptized, actually in Scripture, it's repent and be baptized. There's a great story in Acts 8 where Philip is actually leads a man to Christ in a chariot on a road out in northern Africa. And, and as this unfolds, he says, well, I believe, can I be baptized? He doesn't have all the answers. He doesn't have all the truth yet. But he knows the truth of Jesus, responds to it. And then we as believers continue to walk with that Holy Spirit who continues to illuminate and teach us the truth about who God is. Can I get an amen, amen. from those that are believers that you've experienced this truth? And, and hopefully for some of you, if you're newer in your faith, hopefully that encourages you that, that the pressure isn't on you to have all the answers today or to figure it all out. It's to get in step with the Spirit that will lead you and guide you into all truth. The Holy Spirit is meant to be more like a GPS, right? I grew up in a generation where we didn't have those, right? We had maps, and those weren't always updated. And you could get off track even using a map. But boy, GPS is pretty incredible, isn't it? It guides us. It prompts us. More times than not, it's pretty accurate these days. It's actually what the Holy Spirit is meant to be is more like a GPS, and then lastly, it reveals Jesus so that he is central and glorified. 
And I just want to make sure we understand this, that when we really understand the Holy Spirit and begin to walk in him, everything the Spirit does, you want to test whether or not a spirit is of God? Does that spirit declare that Jesus is Lord and puts him at the center? Because when that happens, Scripture teaches us that that's actually what it's all about. It's not about a person. It's not about a place. It's about everything centering on and being glorified around Jesus. That's what we're about here at Pathway. Now, this Jesus, uh, he's enough, as I said. And, And if we break this down a little further in this text, we see three things that are clear that Jesus is enough for, that he can be the bridge over those troubled waters. The first is difficulty. The difficulties of life, the things that we face, Jesus is very clear that he has overcome the world. That, that it may seem simplistic, but that's actually, I think, the power in it. That actually, in the face of anything you're going through, difficulty-wise, if you turn to Jesus and begin to look to him for answers, the Holy Spirit will begin guiding the steps you need to to actually experience the victory over that difficulty. And even in the face of that process, which, you know, sometimes the Holy Spirit moves and you're, you have your victory in a day. Those are great days, right? Those are the ones we all want. But sometimes the Spirit says, okay, here's your next step and you're going to walk this out. And it could take months. It could take years. But you're walking in and towards that victory and you overcome the difficulty sometimes we need to right size our time frames because God's timing is often very different than ours and sometimes have you ever been around somebody who just comes into a relationship with Jesus and then all of a sudden difficulty happens and they're like but but it's all supposed to be easy now Anybody else had that experience where you, you, you made a step with Jesus and it actually got worse for a minute? Three of you admitted it. As a pastor, I often hear those stories. Sometimes things get more difficult, but that's actually where Jesus wants us to be in step with him and to learn that it's no longer the way we used to handle difficulty. It's his way. And as we learn that, we get closer and closer to him. Now, the second one is we overcome sorrow. That word sorrow is used a number of times uh, in the text I just read to you. It's actually the Greek word lipe, and it it means, uh, let me give you the definition here, it means grief or sorrow. It ranges from hurt feelings to feeling sorry and to deep sorrow. Modern translation, lipe means all the feels. Some of you are so feeling-driven that we need to realize that God says, listen, yeah, you're going to have all the feels. You're going to range from a little bit of hurt to grief to sorrow. All of that is a part of being human. Shortest verse in the Bible is what? John eleven thirty five. 35. Jesus wept. Jesus experienced sorrow and emotion. Some of you need to write that verse down. You can be like, I memorized a verse today. But that range of human emotions, Jesus actually steps into and says, I can help you overcome any feelings. Our faith is meant to be over our feelings. Our feelings are valid, 
but they need to follow our faith. They need to come into alignment to our faith. So the third way that he says in here that he overcomes is sin. And sin is not something that we like to talk about. Sin is something that, that brings conviction. It brings a reality that, that it illuminates that, that you're not perfect and I'm not perfect, that we have stuff and junk and junk in our trunk. Can I say it that way? <laughs> like you got some stuff and I got some stuff. And, and sin, if we define it, actually is rebellion against God. That at its core, it's rebellion against God. The root of sin, many theologians would say, is pride. Pride that says, I know better than God. I should be in control. So, so as we rebel against God, it also then means that we're missing the mark of his holy standard. That God is holy and perfect. And so what happens is the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, areas of our life that are missing the mark. And then Jesus says, listen, I've overcome that, and I want you to walk in the victory. I want you to walk out of those behaviors and those things that, that are holding you back. I want to set you free from whether it's pornography or anger or lust or relational difficulties. Like, you name what the behavior is, but Jesus has overcome it. It can help be the bridge over it as we follow him. That is what he's getting at here, and he's offering them this invitation that he's also offering us today. That you and I don't have to fix it or figure it out. That, in fact, he's the one in the face of an enemy that is coming against us and attacking and coming against us and trying to get us to keep falling. That actually in that fallen state, Jesus comes and, and covers us. And, and he covers us with his death, his resurrection, and he builds the bridge. There was a video in the last couple of weeks that went viral on TikTok. And I'll just be honest with you. We're going we're to show this. And I'm going to just tell you, like, it really uh, got me emotionally. It is such a picture of the heart of the Father of the heart of Jesus to cover us when we're being attacked, when we're in the troubled water. Let's play the clip. So let's pause it right there. We're going to play it one more time. What you're witnessing there is a young man who was knocked unconscious briefly as he fell off of the bull or the, the horse. As he lands on the ground, his earthly father is nearby. And he jumps on and covers and takes the attack from that bull. This is what Jesus does for us. Let's watch it one more time. Thank you. 
Jesus is the bridge over troubled water. May that be a picture in your mind of whatever your stuff is, whatever you feel like is coming against you, that your God, Jesus, wants to cover you, wants to protect you, wants to be available to you. He is our shield. He is our refuge. Amen? As we turn to Jesus, he goes on in this text. He he talks about not just the work of the Spirit, but that as we let him cover, that there's actually something that will begin to happen, some things, and I just want to read them to us. In verse 16, it says, A little while, and you will see me no longer. And again, a little while, and you will see me. So some of his disciples said to one another, What is it that he says to us? A little while, and you will not see me. And again, a little while, and you will see me, because I am going to the Father. So they were saying, what does he mean by a little while? But what he was referring to is the reality of his death, burial in the tomb, his resurrection, and the fact that he would actually, 40 days later, ascend and be at the right hand of the Father. That he would be gone for a little while, but again, it was for their advantage and ours. Picking up in verse 20, truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. You will be sorrowful, but you will, your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. Any women attest to that? Okay. And there was four. Uh, okay. <laughs> so you also have sorrow now. But I will see you again, and your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. In that day, you will ask nothing of me. Truly, truly, I say to you, whatever you ask of the Father in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have nothing in my name. Ask, and you will receive, that your joy may be full. I want to make a point here that Jesus, as I've been saying, is the bridge over troubled water. And there's a couple of things I want to point out first, uh, if you're taking notes, The first is that change is coming. What Jesus is saying to his disciples is that there's change coming. Like you're going to have a different reality and relationship with me and and, and the world around you. And, And here's for us the truth that we probably need to hear today. If you follow Jesus, or even if you don't, change is coming in our world. We don't like change. Can I get an amen? Most of us don't, but the reality is change is coming, and I would much rather go through change with Jesus than without Jesus, and what he's trying to prepare them for is, listen, there's some big change coming, but you're not going to be alone in that. In fact, if you think about what would happen in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit is given at Pentecost. And then from there, radical revolution and change, the movement of God begins to unfold in our world. And as it does, everything they're doing is adjusting to the changes that Jesus is bringing into the world. And each time they would find that it was good, that joy would be present as a result. That's the second thing we see here, is that our joy has the possibility of being greater than the trouble we face. It's been interesting over the last couple of weeks, I've run into a number of our people who without even knowing that this message was coming would make the comment, yeah, God's kind of showing me that, that I need to have joy, that he has overcome the world and I can have joy even in the face of trouble. 
I've heard this a number of times from our Pathway people over the last few weeks. God has been taking us all through something so that no matter what is happening in the world around us, we are living with Jesus and with his joy. Amen? Now, the third thing that we see in this text is that prayer gives us immediate and direct access to God. And this is actually amazing that, that you know, that day and age and in our day and age today, that, that actually prayer, conversation, relationship with God is available, that, that we have immediate and instant access to God, even in the middle of troubled waters or even on the mountaintop. You see, prayer is something, uh, the late Tom Skinner, the evangelist, said that prayer for Jesus was like breathing. What did Paul say? Pray without ceasing. That, that actually prayer is something that is available, and immediately we can call on the Lord. He's available, and the access is there. If you tried today, I'm guessing, whether you're online or in person, I'm going to take a risk here. If you tried to get access to a celebrity or to a political official this afternoon, my guess is you couldn't do it. Fair? That most of us do not have immediate and instant access to people of influence that we see in our world. But yet, here's the God of the universe saying, I'm going to give you immediate and instant access. You might not be able to get access to, to that particular person that you're looking up to, that celebrity or political official, whatever it may be. You may not be able to, but the God of the universe, he's available right now for whatever you need. He is available. And so he answers prayer, and that brings joy. The last bit of the text here, we'll pick up actually in... Uh, Verse 29, his disciples said, ah, now you are speaking plainly and not using figurative speech. Now we know that you know all things and do not need anyone to question you. This is why we believe that you came from God. Jesus answered them, do you now believe? Behold, the hour is coming, indeed it has come, when you will be scattered, each to his own home and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. That verse is where we began today, and it's where we end. That last point I want to make is that peace and joy are yours, they're mine, because Jesus is Lord, because God loves you, and the Holy Spirit is yours. Let me just sit in that for a minute, because... I'm not sure we're hearing it. You may be looking for peace in all the wrong places. How do I know? Because I've done it. You may be looking for joy in all the wrong places. In fact, what you're probably finding is fleeting and temporary happiness, not real joy. How do I know? Because I've been there. And I know what it's like to try to find those things in the world, to try to find an artificial peace that really isn't peace, to find an artificial joy that really isn't joy. And here's the thing. These are core truths. When we're rediscovering Jesus, if we realize that he is Lord, Jesus is Lord. Can you say that with me? Jesus is Lord. 
He's not just another prophet or teacher. He is the Son of God. He is the Lord. That reality begins to settle our spirit and our hearts. And as we come into alignment with that, we realize that God loves us, that he was willing to lay down his life to be the bridge over our sin and over the troubled water. So let that sink in for a minute. God loves you unconditionally just the way you are today. As great as you might be, he loves you. As messed up as you might be, he loves you. He loves you fully and unconditionally in a way that nobody else will ever love you. When we move from the people around us having to fill that love need to actually letting him, that's when real freedom begins to come. And then the fact that the Holy Spirit is yours means you're not alone. That actually you can find peace and joy no matter what you're going through. That he's there to be your advantage, to be your equipper. So let me ask you a few questions to close here. Because we're always, you know, at the end of the day, I can provide information. But the transformation is really up to your application. Whether or not you walk away and go, hmm, that was nice. He seems friendly. (laughs) Or you walk away and go, that was nice. He seems friendly. Here's what I think the Lord is saying my next step is. I'm going to apply it, right? So here, here's a few next step questions for you. Uh, first is, are you following Jesus or are you falling away? And if you're falling away, let the Holy Spirit convict you and bring you back today. You know, did you know that when the Holy Spirit convicts you, you, have a, you can either allow it to harden your heart, to rebel even further, or you can soften your heart and let the, let the Lord begin to lead. Secondly, are you letting the Holy Spirit guide your life and be your advantage? Are, are you allowing him to speak to you through his word and through other believers and through services like this and then applying and letting him guide you? Thirdly, is there any area that the Holy Spirit is convicting you of that you need to repent and receive his best for you? You know, that's what repentance means, is to turn a new way and to receive his best. And then four, are you filling your life with the world's troubled waters? Which, by the way, I did really good. I waited till the end of the message to say, turn off the news. Come on, church. You can check it now and then, right? I'm not saying don't pay attention to what's going on in the world. But that is a lot of troubled water that will rob you of your peace and joy. If that's all you're feeding on, you will not have the same peace and joy. So I'm going to pray over us, and then we're going to respond. And we've got a little bit of a celebration today uh, over this weekend uncurring as well. But I hope that we can embrace Jesus as the bridge over troubled water and have great peace and joy. Father, we love you. We praise you. We thank you for who you are and what you are doing in our lives. I thank you for the truth that you are that bridge, that you lay down your life and cover us. You then fill us with your spirit that we could walk with you and be overcomers. I pray today that we would make whatever decision we need to make. If there's somebody that online or in person that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior, I pray that they would start there. Maybe there's somebody that's been falling away that needs to 
now follow. Maybe there's somebody that's been looking to the world for peace and joy, and now they realize it's you they've been looking for. Father, we just invite you to have your way. We thank you for what you are doing. And those this weekend as well that have declared by faith through baptism that they are going to follow you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you look to the screen, in this service, we want to celebrate that this amazing group of people were baptized yesterday at the beach. I got eclipsed. I'm in the back. There I am. There's nine people that were baptized yesterday. Two couples, which was really, really special, and some amazing transformation stories. You can watch our social media this week. We'll be posting pictures and their stories. Really, really powerful. In our second service today, uh, we have three more baptisms as well. Right now, we want to invite you to stand. We're going to praise and worship him. We're going to close by responding through that. Prayer is available at our, uh, with our prayer partners up here at the kneeling benches at the altars. Let's let God lead. Amen.
reigns. He reigns. He rules. He's available. He's here. He's where you're headed next. That relationship is what we are rediscovering. Who he is, what he's capable of. He is that bridge over troubled water. Whatever you're facing, he is available. I'm going to pray for us in a minute, but as we get ready to go, if you still would like prayer, maybe you have questions about something you heard today or witnessed today, please, prayer partners and myself will be available. We'd love to pray with you. Secondly, if you're new, if you are here on site, if you come out those doors, we've got a welcome center, we've got a gift, we'd love to welcome you. Uh, You may have noticed our church is growing right now. That's pretty incredible to be a part of. And so if you're a visitor, you're among a lot of visitors right now. And if you're a regular, there's a lot of new people to meet. So I want to challenge all of us. Our mission is to love God and love all people in our pathway. I want to just challenge you today before you leave to try to meet five people, learn their names. Some of you are like, we have lunch plans. We have brunch scheduled. Five minutes, five names. Can we try it? Father, we love you and praise you. We thank you that you are the bridge over troubled water. God, we thank you for what you're doing among us, the opportunity to walk with you, but also to walk with our brothers and sisters, to meet new people, to meet people that maybe have been here for a long time and people that are here for the first time. Pray that you will bless us as we walk with you as a church. May we love you and truly love all people in our pathway. Help us to be the church you've called us to be. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great week. Go now and be the church. Five names. Try it.